What a blessing it is to be a part of a congregation that has so many talented people to lead us in so many different areas. For those of you who got the privilege of working at the Autumn Street Fair, you know that Brother Alan Hughes does a great job of coordinating and helping make sure that that event is staffed, that it's well decorated, and that we are able to reach a number of people of the community. And many of you responded very well by signing up and being there and doing such a wonderful job. This morning, we were treated to a privilege of having a young man that the church here supports, and I'm thankful that our elders see the need to be able to train a new generation of preachers. You may not have known that the young man that spoke this morning just turned 20 years of age. Uh, I have ties older than that. (laughs) But uh, Brother Raj did a great job. He's learning. He's growing. Uh, He said he was so nervous, and I said, well, you couldn't tell it. But uh, we're so thankful to have that kind of leadership. And then this afternoon, the Bible Bowl, Brother Steve Hillis does such a great job of coordinating the youth work. Uh, The young people respond. When our young men stood up, led the devotional, I was so proud that these were our young people because they reflect people that are growing spiritually, that are taking leadership roles, and we're going to be blessed for many years to come because of the leadership we have in so many different areas. And I encourage you to encourage those who are leading us. Pat them on the back. Let them know that you appreciate uh, those who are taking the trouble, taking the time to see that we are doing what God wants us to do. Tonight, I'm going to focus our lesson on another moral issue. I received a request some time ago if I would deal with some current moral issues that are in our country. I will tell you as you begin, there's some topics that most of us would rather not talk about. In fact, some of us would rather even not think about them. As far as I am concerned, this is a topic that I just soon not talk about. And I do know that when Paul wrote the Ephesians, in Ephesians 5 and verse 12, he says, For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. There are some things that happen behind closed doors. And I wish that society was such that we didn't even talk about it. But that's not the case. God's Word addresses the sin of Sodom, and our society has become enamored with it. I mean, if you turn on your television, you watch a movie, you see that it's around you almost everywhere. I will reiterate, as I did last week with regards to the subject of abortion, this is not a social or political issue. This issue goes before the very founding of our country. This was an issue thousands of years ago. Thus, it is not a political issue. This is a moral one in which God has spoken. Simply because an issue is a hotly debated topic in society does not mean that there is no solution to it. There is a solution. There's always a solution by going 
to God's Word. We're going to look at three things, and I, I hope that I reflect what the Scriptures teach on this subject. Number one, to talk about a difficult situation. To look a little of the background here. Number two, I would like for us to look at the degeneration of our society. How our society has changed. And then number three, for us to look at the declaration of Scripture because that's the most important part. Let's begin, first of all, with the background behind the events. If you'll turn with me in your Bible to Genesis chapter 18. This is an important chapter because it precedes the discussions of Sodom and Gomorrah. If you'll remember in Genesis chapter 18 and verse 19, and I'm trying to set this up, you have there God saying, I will bring upon Abraham that which I have spoken because I know him. He'll guide his children and his household after him in such a fashion that I can be able to help Abraham. I can tell Abraham what I am doing. Well, that's going to bring up something in verse 20. And the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave. Now, you can stop there for just a moment. God is telling Abraham, Sodom and Gomorrah have sinned, and there's an outcry. People are saying, this is not right. God also says that their sin is very grave. It's serious. So what takes place, beginning with verse 23, And Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were fifty righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it? For the fifty righteous that were in it. Now you know God's response. He's always a just and a loving God. Verse 26. So the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, I will spare all the place for their sakes. Now when you read that, you recognize several things. Number one, Abraham knew that Lot lived in Sodom. Abraham is pleading for the righteous within the city of Sodom. He knew his nephew lived there. Second of all, Abraham also knew that it was righteous to punish the wicked. He was not suggesting that God should not punish the wicked. He was saying don't punish the righteous with the wicked. How many have family or friends that have embraced the sin of Sodom? How many of them are in the middle of it, such as Lot was, even though Lot was righteous? And the, Peter tells us he vexed his righteous soul with these ungodly deeds that were going on. But how many of us have family members or friends, or former friends perhaps, that have gotten involved in this. And you've got to look at the attitude of Abraham. He's concerned. He doesn't want Sodom and Gomorrah to be, have to be destroyed. 
do you want these people who are involved in this sin to simply be destroyed, or do you want repentance to take place? Do you want a change in their lives? Surely we hate the sin while we love and care for the sinner. And I'd suggest to you, as we study through the New Testament, there are going to be people who are involved in sinful behavior that they were called upon to repent and did do so. And as a such, were now faithful children of God. Now for just a moment, let me talk to you about the degeneration of our society. Many of us can remember the time when people were in the closet. I don't know the first time I ever knew what a homosexual was. But I wasn't a young fellow. And I can remember as people got a little, as I got a little bit older, and really it was after I became an adult that I started hearing this word coming out of the closet. And I remember thinking, I want all these people to go back into the closet. I don't want to hear about all this. I don't want to think about all of this. But today, there's a photo from 2012, city of San Francisco. Some people are trying to say homosexuality, sodomy is a sin, and then there's people on the streets that are marching, and they're saying, you let us live however we want to live. No, not that. Not only do we want you to let us live however we want us to live, but we want you to give us special recognition. So that if anybody, including a preacher, were to say that what we're doing is wrong, then you've got to shut him up. Our speech, free speech, trumpets his free speech. Today, eight states have legalized same-sex marriage. They are Massachusetts, Connecticut, Iowa, Vermont, New Hampshire, New York, Washington, Maryland, and also the District of Columbia. That means that they have said that two men can marry each other or two women can marry each other. I'm waiting until they say that a man and an animal can marry each other. If they can say this, why not? In fact, there's a map that's available on the website. If you'll notice the ones that are in the shade of pink, those are the states which say it will not happen here. Some have said it will not in their constitution, and they will not by law, including our state here, Tennessee. But you will notice those that are in yellow, they are those who have said that we'll sort of have a little bit of protection, but not fully. And those are the ones that are in green have granted full uh, rights for same-sex marriages. Today, people are celebrating and promoting their sin. They're not in the closet. They're in the streets. I am thankful that I have never been to Disney World at Gay Day. But they have one every year. They have gay cruises where everybody on the cruise is a homosexual. They have gay parades. And it's not just in San Francisco. Channel 5 in Nashville has one of their things on Channel 5 Plus called Out and About. Several years ago, I noticed when it first appeared and they were advertising it, 
I went down the list and made a list of those people who were advertising on it and wrote each one of them individually. And I will tell you that I got a response from every one of them. And they said, we didn't know that our advertisement was placed there. We will ensure that it is removed promptly. And was. And they went a long time with no advertisement whatsoever. But these people were determined now that they're going to have their promotion of their ways. And you can see what occurs at Disney World every year with their gay day. Our military was used to not allow homosexuals in them. In fact, they would be dismissed promptly. But in 1993, our government passed a don't ask, don't tell policy. In other words, as long as you don't ask anybody if they're homosexual and you don't tell them, then you can stay in there. On September the 20th, 2011, just a little over a year ago, our president said that they will now be allowed to serve openly. And on the front page of the Marine Times, it says, We're gay, get over it. So we now have to accept that in every facet of our society. But it's not just in society. It's invaded into religions as well. For instance, there's a number of religious bodies that openly accept homosexuals. The Roman Catholic Church, the United Church of Christ the Disciples of Christ, the Episcopal Church, the Presbyterian Church of USA, and several others. And some now even ordain priests, that is, their religious leaders who are open homosexuals. And among them are the Episcopal. And in fact, one of the first was Bishop Robinson, who was of the Episcopal Church. And if you'll notice the little thing he has around his neck, the rainbow symbol is his signature saying, I am a homosexual. Now, I try to present to you a fact that we're sometimes in a difficult situation. We're faced with a society of people that we sometimes care about. We don't want them to be destroyed like Abraham didn't want Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed. We understand that our society is degenerating to where it's getting worse. But then we are forced to say, what does God say about this? I want to just briefly, for a few minutes, take you through the Old Testament and through the New Testament. And the incident that certainly must come to play is the one found in Genesis 19. And we begin reading there in verse 1. Now two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he arose to meet them, bowed himself with his face toward the ground. He said to, and he said, Here now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night. And wash your feet, then you may rise early, go your way. And they said, No, but we will spend the night in the open square. But he insisted strongly. So they turned into him and entered his house. Then he made them a feast and baked them unleavened bread, and they ate. Now before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all people from every quarter surrounded the house. And they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out that we may know them carnally. So Lot went out through the doorway, shut the door behind him, and said, Please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. 
See, now I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please, let me bring them out to you, and you may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men, since this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. And they said, Stand back. Then they said, This one came in here, came to stay here, and keeps acting like or as a judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. So they pressed hard against the man Lot, and they came near to break down the door. But the men reached out with their hands and pulled Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, and they became weary of trying to find the door. For we will destroy this place, because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. I want you to see these people here are outright homosexuals, and they're willing to come and mistreat the angels of the Lord. Now, they think they're men. And I want you to notice their response to Lot. You think you're a judge over us. You're judging our behavior, Lot. People today, when you say that homosexuality is sinful and wrong, people say, who made you a judge? Where do you get the right? I didn't call them that. God did. And He has the right. And He has the authority. I don't think you can get any plainer than what God sent through Moses in the book of Leviticus. Chapter 18, verse 22. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Verse 20, or chapter 20, verse 13. If a man lies with a male as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. They deserve to die. That's capital punishment. You may or may not know that one of the reasons why many of the Muslim countries look at us with such disdain is because of our morals. They look and they say, you approve of and you tolerate what is an abomination before God. You go to many of these countries where the Muslims are in charge, and do you know what the sentence is for homosexual behavior? Death. Judges 15 verses or 19 verses 15 through 23, and I don't have time to go through this individually, but it's a very similar situation to what occurred at Sodom. There's a man who is traveling. He's been to Bethlehem. He's going to go to the city of Jerusalem. He's from the mountain country of Ephraim. He arrives at Gibeah, and what occurs is he's a traveler, and he's going to go out into the open area, and a man's going to say, now you don't need to do that, just like Lot did with the men at Sodom. And he says they turned aside to go into Lodge at Gibeah, and when he went in, he sat down in the open square of the city, for no one 
would take them into his house to spend the night. And just then an old man came in from his work in the field at evening who was also from the mountains of Ephraim. And he was staying in Gibeah, whereas the men of the place were Benjamites. And then he goes on to ask him where he's from. He says, I'm just traveling through. I've got everything that I need. And here this man is threatened by the people of the city just exactly like if you, you'll notice. Verse 22 is one I want to draw your attention to. And as they were enjoying themselves, suddenly certain men of the city, perverted men, surrounded the house and beat on the door. And they spoke to the master of the house, the old man, saying, Bring out the man that came into your house that we may know him carnally. Open homosexuals. What a sinful behavior this was. In 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 24, And there were also perverted persons in the land that did according to all the abomination of the nations which the Lord God had cast out before the children of Israel. The term perverted persons refers there to those homosexuals. Someone says, that's all Old Testament. What does the New Testament say? Well, I go to Paul's discussion to the Romans in Romans chapter 1. And Paul is trying to impress upon the Romans everybody needs the gospel. He will explain, beginning with verse 18, that these people know about God, but they don't glorify Him as God. They don't give thanks. And because what may be known of God is manifest in them, they don't want it. And so because of that, God gives them up or gives up on them. And notice with me verses 26 and 27. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burning their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful, receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. Do you hear Paul saying, when they are punished for this, they deserved it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul is enumerating a number of sins. He says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. You cannot be a practicing homosexual and go to heaven. Period. Now you can repent of that, change your life, and you can, because verse 11 says, And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified. You changed your life. Sodomites are contrary to sound doctrine. In 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 10, Paul says, among other things, for fornicators, sodomites, for 
kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers, and if there's any other thing contrary to the sound doctrine. And then the passage that Brother David read from the book of Jude, after he talked about the people who came out of Egypt being rejected because they didn't listen to God, and after he talked about the angels that sinned, how they were rejected because they didn't listen to God, look at verse 7. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having themselves given themselves over to fornication and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. It's almost as if we look and see that example in the bar. Uh, the Bible, God sent fire and burned them up. What does that teach us? That teaches us that God doesn't like that at all. Now, some of you may be offended the way I put this, the quibble of the queers. But they refer to themselves as queers, so I'm not calling them anything that they don't call themselves. They suggest that these passages only condemn gang rape that would be wrong for heterosexuals too. I'm sorry, but that's just not the case. What you find in the book of 1 Corinthians, the book of Romans, and the book of 1 Timothy is very clear that he's not talking about a gang rape. Number two, they would say that it would not be against nature if you were born that way. Person may be born with a desire for something, but they do not have to act on it. There may be a man born with a desire to have illicit activity with women, but he's better not act on it. Or he'll be just as condemned as anyone else. A man may be born with a physical proclivity, desire for some sort of maybe alcohol, but he better not act on it. You remember Genesis chapter 4, verse 7? Do you remember God as he addresses Cain? He says, Cain, why is your countenance fallen? Why are you so angry? He says, sin's desire is for you. But you should rule over it. You don't give in to sin. You may have a natural desire, but you don't give in to it. And I hate to even mention this one. They point out the close relationships between biblical characters, David and Jonathan, or Ruth and Naomi. For instance, in Ruth 1, verses 16 and 17, And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For where you will go, I will go, and wherever you lodge, I will yet lodge. Your people will be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also of anything but death parts you and me. This refers to the close bond of friendship, but in no way implies any illicit sexual behavior. The practices today that are defended by man are condemned by God. And those who practice them will be judged. Those who approve of them 
will also be judged by God, according to Romans 1 and verse 32. God is the real Supreme Court. Man may decide whatever he wants to here on this earth, but if his decisions are in conflict with the laws of God, he will find out one day. As he stands before the Almighty, that if I approve the things that are sinful and wrong, that God will judge me for those. People can change their behavior. Many people must suppress or deny their urges. A person can do what they know they're supposed to do. And real freedom is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, Jesus talked a lot about, in John chapter 8, about freedom from sin. Let me tell you how you get there. It involves a process of coming to understand and know. The Bible would describe this in Romans chapter 10 as hearing. Hearing the message that Jesus is the Christ, that he's the son of the living God. It involves them believing what we have read what we have heard that is backed up by the Word of God. And we believe that He is the Son of God. It involves repentance. That is where a man understands the direction I've been going is wrong and I have to correct that. And then to be baptized, to be washed. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. Acts 22, verse 16. And now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. We have people in our audience tonight who have not yet become a Christian. You need to become a Christian. I'm sure in an audience such as this, we have brethren and sisters who perhaps have sin in their lives. You may have a sin much different than the one we have discussed in our lesson tonight. But if you need to have the prayers of this congregation, we urge you to respond to the invitation. Would you come as we stand and sing?